If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When you're in it every single day, it's just so funny because sometimes it doesn't feel like things are going fast enough. But when on the weekend, if I have time on a Sunday to reflect on the previous week, like a lot happens every single week. So we are making really great progress. It's just on a day-to-day basis. It's never going to be fast enough. But I think that's something that you need as a founder anyway. You need to have that drive and you need to have that hustle and sort of like, yes, you want to celebrate the wins, but you want to keep going. You don't ever want to just like rest on your laurels and be like, oh, things are going great. Like, I don't have to work that hard. After a career devoted to large tech and media companies such as Google and YouTube and fashion houses and well-known consumer brands, including Theory, LVMH and Calera Wine Company, Erin Jensen says she is now, as co-founder of Timo and Violet, exactly where she's meant to be. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie. This is episode 108 of Bucket List Careers. Timo and Violet is allowing Erin to flex her strategic and creative nature to bring a sustainable, whimsical, and timeless line of children's goods to the world. And with her partner, Ronit Weinberg, she's launched a business that is truly fueling her with the professional purpose she'd been craving. Let's find out more now about how Erin built it and get her amazing nuggets of mompreneur pivot wisdom. Erin, thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome to Bucket List Careers, the podcast. Thank you, Krista. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you for having me. Well, I know how busy you are. You launched in January. Timo and Violet, your co-founder, your co-CEO. I want to hear all about the brand, how you came up with it, dig into it, of course, But you know, this show is also about your evolution and how you got there. And you yourself have pivoted from really a lot of time in business. Let me look through again, executive search, sales, marketing at Google, e-commerce and fashion. That's when you started to feel like you were developing more of your creative side, I would say. All business Mm -hmm. though. And you did tell me before we started this recording that it wasn't really fully you. So... Walk us through it. And even your first job, right? You, you started at a big five accounting firm. So can you walk us through it from there? Yes. So it's funny because the, the big five accounting firm isn't even on my LinkedIn profile or my resume. I was only there for six months because I quickly realized this just isn't the right field for me. So I went to the University of Notre Dame where I got my bachelor's degree in English and computer applications. And I remember taking e-commerce courses in my computer apps major or dual major, which was pretty funny because e-commerce wasn't really a thing at that point. Like eBay was just getting started. But I remember thinking like, huh, this is really interesting. Fast forward a little bit. 
Notre Dame is really strong in their accounting program. And my parents are also children of Italian and Irish first-generation Americans. And being able to come out of college, have a job that would support me was really important to them. And I feel like I love my parents immensely. They're phenomenal. They're supportive. They're great in so many ways, but they definitely pushed me a little bit into doing something in the business world and specifically accounting because they're like, no, it's so great for accounting. Funny, as the youngest in the family, I wanted to, I feel like I wanted to please at that point. And that's, that's a big part of, I feel like growing up as sometimes a, a daughter who loves her family and wants to make sure that parents are proud. So I ended up taking this job at one of the big five accounting firms and I thought it would be a good training ground and I thought it would potentially lead me to other areas in the business world. But I quickly realized when I got there, like, wow, like I am doing tax returns. I'm preparing tax returns for partners at this firm and it's really not what I want to do. I enjoyed my colleagues. It was great to have the first job out of college in the office, meeting other young people, being around senior partners. So getting some of that great training, but it wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it. And I remember one thing that I think it was my father had said to me was you need to have a little bit of passion for what you're doing. And if you come out of college and you're really finding it's not right, like there's a bit of a reset button. So feel free to take that reset, take that pause. And so I was really nervous about all of a sudden, four months in interviewing for other jobs when I was in my first job after college. But it was the best thing that I did because then I ended up at a financial software company, FactSet, and I was in a consulting role there working with investment managers for the most part. But it was very much a people-oriented role where I was learning how to be a sales executive, working with great people. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So even though it wasn't creative necessarily, I feel like I learned a ton that was really like what I consider my first job after college now. And Erin, I know you did go to Harvard Business School. Yes. That must have been after you left the accounting firm. So how did that play into your whole evolution? I went to HBS three years after I graduated from college. So I headed off in August of 2005. Usually three to five years is the sweet spot where you want to attend business school. And Harvard generally wants to get you a little bit, I don't want to say younger, but a little bit more junior in your career to shape you as much as they possibly can. So I went after three years. I was at FactSet for two plus years. And then I did a shorter internship at a commercial real estate company right before school started. I was living at home, saving up some money to pay for tuition and pay for everything that, that would come with being at a great business school because there's a lot of travel involved. Right. And so, so yeah, I did this short stint at a commercial real estate company where I got to work with retailers and help the firm sort of scope out retail real estate projects for some big multinational retailers. One of them was T-Mobile. So not necessarily the most exciting company, but they have a lot of stores. And that's one of those little moments where I got my feet wet in what it means to open up a store, which fast forward many, many years, a little bit of what we're doing right now. Graduated in 2007. I took a job at Google. I, so I loved FactSet. It was a financial software company. It wasn't really called FinTech back then. It was a public company so much further along. But I feel like all of a sudden, financial tech and, and other software companies in New York City and, and the Bay Area were doing quite a bit of recruiting on the business school campuses. And Google was at this amazing inflection point where it was really, really growing. And they were hiring a lot of MBAs to be on their online sales and operations team which was under Cheryl Sandberg at that point. So when Cheryl was still at Google, not yet at Facebook. (laughs) So I had the opportunity to work on her greater team 
as a people manager in their AdWords sales team. So when when you think of, of AdWords, like that really is at the time, like the bread and butter of Google's revenue. So all of the medium to long tail advertisers were in that online sales and operations group. And then there was a direct sales organization under Tim Armstrong. So like the bigger companies, the bigger advertisers. And I also had the opportunity later to work with him when I was at, at Google. Got it. And you did tell me that while you were at business school, you were given some advice. And I want to make sure we touch on this because I think it's relevant. That advice was just because you love something and feel passionate about it doesn't mean you should necessarily seek out a career in it. Yes. And I know that you wholeheartedly do not agree with that at this point in your career. Yeah. So so it's really interesting. I was actually a career counselor. One of the mm-hmm. great things about being a student is there's so many different resources. And so I, I worked with, with a couple of different career counselors to figure out what I wanted to look at in terms of internships in my first year, in between the first and second year. So during that summer, I worked at Escada, a well-known German fashion company in their wholesale sales team. And then I worked for Time Warner Entertainment Weekly magazine and digital. So that was really fascinating because again, like I was in fashion, I was in media. But then when I went back to business school that second year, I remember sitting with my career counselor and sort of telling her all about what I was interested in and what I loved about the summer internship. And I remember she was thinking, well, I mean, there's these great opportunities at Google and other tech companies and you already have a tech background, like might be great to continue that way. And I remember one of the things that she said, which which you just mentioned, which sticks with me is just because like you love doing something doesn't mean you have to do that for your career. Like that passion, like if it's there, like you could still pursue that as a hobby or on the side, but don't necessarily think like you have to be pursuing that for your career. So yeah, that was advice I really took to heart. So I, I mean, Google is a fantastic and was a massively growing company at the time. And I figured, yeah, this is a phenomenal opportunity. I should definitely take it. And then as I was there and I was working with fashion company advertisers and looking at like what they do on a day-to-day basis, I was like, gosh, like I really want to be on the brand side. Like that just looks like so much fun. And it really, mm-hmm. you're, you're a builder, you're a creator. And, and I feel like that's kind of what I am and I've always been. So when I was at, at YouTube, after my first year at Google, I moved over to YouTube and worked for a phenomenal woman named Susie Ryder, who was the head of sales and marketing at the time. I was her chief of staff, so it was sort of a shorter term role. I knew it would be kind of a one-year rotation, mm-hmm. and we worked on a lot of great things together. But then at the end of that time, I remember she was saying, hey, like there's so many different things you can do here, but it sounds like you really want to get some brand experience. So why don't you go consider working for, for a brand? Like go work for a fledgling e-commerce company or a fashion company. I was already leaning that direction. One thing I, I didn't actually say earlier is my grandmother was a fashion designer, an incredibly creative yeah. person. I have her her sketches in the hallway outside my office actually right now. And nice. it's, it's just so awesome to know that someone in my family was creating something from, from nothing. And, and, and she was quite successful at it. So I always thought about her. I watched her sewing many times. Like she always made her Halloween costumes and she was always making things for us, which was amazing. And I remember at that point thinking like if I could get this job at Theory, which I saw on the HBS alumni careers website, I was like, this would be a phenomenal step for me. Right. So yeah, I went full force. I was incredibly motivated to get this position. The head of e-commerce, another great leader named Tracy Strauss, she went to HBS a few years prior to me. And so she posted it on the HBS job banks. That's how I saw it. And I remember reaching out to her and applying. And even though I wasn't necessarily the slam dunk candidate because I hadn't worked in e-commerce at that point, I brought a lot of things to the table that I think she liked. And she was willing to to take a chance on me and bring me into the team. And 
if you're motivated and you're smart, like you can learn a lot. So I headed up merchandising for Theory's brand new e-commerce team. Okay. I mean, it was an absolute blast. Like Theory didn't have an e-commerce business at that point, but they had been around for 10 years selling in every major department store. They had their own stores, but e-commerce totally new to them. So you were really at the forefront of that. And it just sounds like you gathered so many different sets of transferable skills. So when was the point when you decided to become a founder? When Did you have that pivotal moment? We'd like to try to hone in on the aha moment if there is one. And then how did you connect with your co-founder on that? And so let's talk about the origins of Timo and Violet and how you transitioned into it. Yeah, so it took me many more years, actually, before starting Timo and Violet and making that leap. But the funny thing is, I met my co-founder, Anit Weinberg, when I was at Theory. So back in 2010, which feels like a lifetime ago, she was heading up e-commerce and stores for Diane von Furstenberg. I was at Theory. We met in the middle of our offices in the Meatpacking District in New York City at a Tory Burch Digital event. (laughs) So it was just so funny that I met her there and we became friends immediately. And the funny thing is, is I ended up moving to her town in Westchester about a year later when my first son, William, was born. And when we lived in the same town, we naturally saw each other more often. And when I was about to give birth to him, she was telling me, hey, if you ever need a nanny, why don't you consider like hiring my nanny? Because my kids are a little bit older. We don't need as much help during the day. Yeah. Sounds like you probably need a lot of help in the mornings and early (laughs) afternoons. And it was just so funny because if it weren't for her in that moment, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have gone back to work that quickly after having William. That was just like one of the most amazing gestures that someone's offered. And we became a blended family we like to joke about. (laughs) So so yeah, I feel like if you can share a nanny with somebody successfully, you can do a lot of things successfully. (laughs) I think that's valid. That's accurate. (laughs) So you guys had a few years of friendship under your belt? Did you start talking about this idea? I'm always so interested. Obviously, there was a white space that you're filling here with an eco-conscious children's linen brand. Very cool. Talk to me about how that came about. Yeah. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Renee and I are naturally creative and we like to build. And we had been talking for probably eight years about starting something together. After my son, William, was born, we ended up actually partnering on a couple of e-commerce consulting gigs together. One of them was for Elizabeth and James, the Olsen sisters brand. And that was the first time we really got to work together on something. And so that was sort of like an aha moment where I was like, okay, I can share any with this person. I can work with this person. Our styles like really go well together. We have very complementary skill sets as well. So let's try to make something happen. And so we, we, if you look at our GoDaddy accounts, we, we have a few URLs that we purchased over the years <laughs> so ideas from interior design 
design based on the dimensions of your room. So sort of using a little bit of computer vision technology, like this was many years ago, to we had this idea for flash masks, like a facial company huh. where we have actual facial locations. And then all of a sudden there's Heyday <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> you know, they're, they're a great brand and we love them. So we totally. had a lot of ideas, but we never had that idea that we were willing to completely throw 110% of ourselves into and take away like everything else work-wise that, that we were doing. And so towards the end of the COVID pandemic, when mm-hmm. kids were back in school, we're back in the city a little bit here and there. Renit was working with a well-known interior designer who was thinking about launching his own bedding line. I was at a really big tech company in a couple of different roles, an HR business partner role, head of people role, talent acquisition role, working on an acquisition and very much a people leadership position, mm-hmm. which again, kind of goes back to a lot of what I did earlier in my career. Renee and I were chatting one day. She approached me about this bedding opportunity because I had just had my third child, Timo. He was about a year old and he was suffering from really bad allergies and eczema. And we had a lot of challenges. He was my first child with food allergies. And I feel like that was eye-opening and I learned so much and a lot about what you put in your body and on your skin affects how you react to things. And so I became really sensitive and aware after having some struggles with him as a young baby. Renit asked me about bedding and if I thought there was any opportunity in the children's space. And immediately I said, oh my gosh, yes, like there is. I couldn't think of one brand in the nursery bedding and bath space that I was loyal to. There was one company that I loved 10 years prior, but it wasn't really doing much in the crib bedding world. And we really thought we would start with just crib bedding, like crib sheets, quilts, things like that. So after Renee and I spent some time together, really digging into the idea, trying to figure out if if there was a market for it, because of course the business school brain is like, is there an opportunity? The creative side of me was saying like, yes, 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 this is a no brainer. But we wanted to actually make sure that it was worth us all of a sudden saying like, okay, I'm going to jump out of my really great full-time job. Renee was going to jump out of her amazing consulting gigs. And we were both bringing in income to our families at that point. So when you start a startup, like you're all of a sudden not making any money. So you have to be very, very, very careful and make sure that this is really what you want to do because there are always going to be days where you're like, why am I doing this? And you need to make sure that you're wholeheartedly into that idea. And no matter what, like you're just going to have that passion day in and day out to keep going. I I think that 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 was 100% there with Timo and Violet. And we started working on this about two years ago. So I would say July 2021 is when we started talking. I remember we had a little offsite for two days where we went away to, we went to Nantucket, which is a place that I spent a lot of time with my family at, and they have a lot of really great children's stores too. So we wanted to get out of the area, spend a little bit of time to just like think about the opportunity, think about the branding, think about our messaging, what was important in terms of brand values. And then after that weekend, came back and I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I slowly started the transition out of out of my job at Equinix. And I left there in October of 2021. And then by end of October 2021, I was full-time co-founding Timo and Violet and leading it with Renit. So it was it was pretty amazing that we actually made this happen after 10 years of talking about doing something together. That's what I hear. I mean, nothing like this happens overnight. And if you're doing your research properly, tell me what your challenges are at this stage of infancy. It's interesting. I feel like things have changed a lot since my time at Theory in e-commerce and Mm. also consulting for some other digital brands where it's really hard to be online only, to be a direct-to-consumer DTC 
pure play. So we actually made the decision to launch Timo and Violet on January 3rd of this year with an omni-channel approach. So we do have a website you can buy on the website, but we also have a store here in Greenwich, Connecticut, where I live. Mm -hmm. And being able to have that store is just so important and so necessary because it really creates this opportunity for friends and people from the community to come in and look at the product, feel the product and really get a sense of what it is, which you can't really get sometimes through websites. Videos can be great, but being able to touch and feel something when you're selling a product that's supposed to be soft and sustainable and beautiful, like touching it is so important. So that's very true. It's product specific. Yeah. Yes. Being able so, to feel it. Yeah. Having the store is something that we're so happy that we did. It's also our office and design studio and our warehouse. We pick, pack, and ship our e-com orders out of there. Mm-hmm. It's down an alley off of the main Greenwich Avenue. So it's it's not, I would say, the prime Greenwich Avenue real estate where you would see Hermes and Tiffany, but we're really close to them. Like our, our real estate agent calls it the 50-yard line of, of Greenwich retail real estate. <laughs> but we're just we're down an alley, which is great. Like in other parts of the world, like great things are down alleys. And so we've done a really good job dressing it up, making it look pretty and trying to create a beautiful sign and flowers outside so that people actually notice us and come in. And then we also have a pretty intense events calendar this summer. So we get out there, but we also wanted to have a wholesale presence and mm-hmm. we contacted Saks Fifth Avenue. And so we're going to be selling on Saks.com hopefully in about three weeks. So sometime in July, we'll be up there and cool. starting in August, we'll be in some of their stores. And then we're also in some specialty stores. We're in a really wonderful specialty store in New York City called The Little. We're about to be in another store in the West Village. We're in two stores in Nantucket. We're going to Playtime, which is the preeminent trade show for luxury children's and baby goods at the end of July. So buyers from around the country come to that. So hopefully we'll get some really great specialty stores out of that trade show as well. But being omni-channel is really important because the cost of acquiring customers these days is a lot. Like it's, it's really hard to be DTC only. So I would say our biggest challenge right now is how do we do this as just two people? Like it's really just Renee and me at this point. <laughs> okay. I was just about to ask you that. How long do you think you can sustain? I mean, the expansion sounds pretty rapid. So when you're in it every single day, it's just so funny because sometimes it doesn't feel like things are going fast enough. But when on the weekend, if I have time on a Sunday to reflect on the previous week, like a lot happens every single week. So we are making really great progress. It's just on a day-to-day basis. It's never going to be fast enough. But I think that's something that you need as a founder anyway. You need to have that drive and you need to have that hustle and sort of like, yes, you want to celebrate the wins, but you want to keep going. You don't ever want to just like rest on your laurels and be like, oh, things are going great. Like I don't have to work that hard. I think we're both incredibly driven and we have really, really big goals for Timo and Violet. So we want to accomplish a lot, but we certainly... We, we have done a lot in the five months young that, that we've been around. <laughs> We're not just giving a founder story on this podcast. We'd like to talk about how you got past, let's say, limiting beliefs and how you made this pivot, how you made this change in terms of your headspace. What can we learn from your journey, what you've been through? So the reason I'm kind of laughing right now is because a phone call I got 90 minutes ago from my son's school about his potential broken thumb. Like that is the thing that was holding me back for so many years is being a mom. Oh my God, do I get it? And I'm laughing. I mean, of course, we don't want your son to break his thumb, but I'm laughing about how life just happens, right? And these moments occur and you have to scramble and deal. We know that drill so well, but yes, please go ahead. Yeah. So being being a parent to three young children, it's, it's hard. Like that in and of itself is hard work. Totally. You're a mother and... 
raising your three kids, like that alone is an incredibly important and massive job. But then knowing what it takes to start a startup. One thing I didn't actually mention is the executive search years between 2014 and really 2022, I was working with growth stage tech companies hiring their senior teams, mostly VPs of engineering, chief technology officers, chief product officers, but for some of like the the biggest growth stage tech companies that that we know. And I got to work alongside phenomenal founders and really see their stories, their struggles, what it takes to be successful. So I probably got to work with 15 or so different companies during those years. Like I knew what it would involve and I knew it was going to take absolutely everything of myself. And I I didn't want to do that until I felt like I could really be in a position to give it my all. And, and yeah, I mean, this was the time my, my youngest son, Timo was two, I would say when we officially started working on it a lot. And I felt like we were in a pretty good place with my older two boys. They're much more independent. My 12 year old can actually help and babysit sometimes. So when we do have other things pop up, like when my 10 year old broke his wrist a few months ago, I was at the store and I couldn't close the store. And my husband took my 10 year old to the doctor, my 12 year old babysat our four year old, and it was fine. Like everyone was okay. So I feel like I didn't feel like I was able to give everything I needed to give to start a company until that point in time. That's what made me say, this is the time to do it. It's, it's now or never. I feel like also I was fortunate enough where I had a, a great executive search practice and I had a few years on my own. So I was able to save some money that, that I was then able to put into Timo and Violet because mm-hmm. starting a company requires some capital. And the more you can bootstrap and do yourself in the beginning, like the better off you're probably going to be because you're not giving up so much ownership right away. Like if you raise venture capital, especially at the earliest stage, you're going to be giving up a decent amount of your company and potentially the ability to steer your company the way you want to steer. Totally. So being able to have a little bit of that financial cushion that I was able to invest in in it and Renee was able to invest in it as well, really let us start the company with the values that we felt so strongly about, which are sustainability, being eco-conscious, social responsibility, but then also creating something that's beautiful and soft and artisanal, something that's created by original art with original paintings. And so to do it the right way, the way that we felt most proud of, I think it really could have could only have happened during that point in time, at least for me, where I was in my life at that point. Right. So it sounds like your timing really was right. If you had to just give me one piece of advice for people in terms of finding professional purpose, this really lights you up. That's why you're on this show. Why do you think that matters so much? I mean, I think for two reasons. One, you spend a lot of time in your career. I don't like to use the word job because job just sounds sort of not as... Toiling. Yes. But you spend a lot of time working in your life and during your waking hours. And so to make that worthwhile, like you really have to love what you're doing. I mean, life is too short to not be doing what you love. And it's just times are always going to be tough. Like whether you're starting a company, whether you're at a company that you love, whether you're an artist, a photographer, like you're always going to hit roadblocks. So at least if you love what you're doing, you have what it takes to get over that roadblock and, and sort of push things out of your way. And I would say when you start a startup, I mean, there are so many hurdles that you face every single day, every single week that you really have to love what you're doing and really believe in that idea and know that you're not going to get discouraged. You need to have like those blinders on all the time. And yeah, I think, I mean, you have to have the passion for that. There has to be more than just, hey, like the market opportunity sounded really good. And like, there's no one else in this space right now. So let's go do it. Like, if you don't have that little passion to begin with, it's going to be really hard to be excited and successful and push through when times are tough. I'm glad I'm having your partner on for part two. Because we can talk just about some of the other complementary issues. I mean, 
you guys working together, how you built it, but also how you work with each other and for each other. I, I always find that very important in partnerships like this. And I love that you're female co-founders too. I think that that's incredibly important right now, especially for all of our daughters to see. So mm-hmm. kudos yeah. to you, Erin Jensen. Thanks so much for taking the time. Everybody check out Timo and Violet. Where should they go online to to see the brand? Timoandviolet.com, or you can find us on Instagram. It's also Timo and Violet. Okay, awesome. Erin, thank you. This was so much fun. All right, take care. This is Bucketless Careers. I'm your host, Krista Laurie. Thanks for joining. If you're not already following, be sure to check us out on social media at Bucketless Careers. DM me with any guest ideas and be sure to join us next Thursday for a brand new episode. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge? It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.